0: So today is the fourth and uh, penultimate week in our series called Here We Are to Worship. If you are a regular you'll have joined in with this with us over recent weeks and we've been looking at our corporate life together, our corporate worship life together and our gathered times when we meet like this. And uh, the heart behind the series really has been that when we look at the New Testament it is full of examples of Believers meeting together and experiencing the presence and power of God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. As a kind of heart cry of the New Testament Christians meeting together. And we've been thinking about what that looks like. We've been wanting to lean in a bit more to experiencing more of God's Spirit in our own lives and in our meetings. And uh, just as a recap, so far in this series, we've covered these things. We've thought about what is worship. Uh, we've had a session on empowered by God, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Last week, Andy spoke about a word from God, uh, prophecy, and then next Sunday, the final message is going to be about growing as worshippers and learning how we can grow in worship together in spirit and in truth. And today we're thinking about a gift for prayer, how the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. If we're thinking a bit more about the demonstrable outworkings of the Holy Spirit among us, part of that has got to be prayer and being spirit-led in the way that we pray. I wonder if you've ever listened to, uh, to Just A Minute, please tell me it's not just me that loves Just A Minute, do you love Just A Minute? It uh, used to be uh, um, Nicholas Parsons, it's now Sue Perkins, a BBC Four, um, uh, Radio 4 panel show, and uh, contestants have got to talk for a minute without hesitation, repetition or deviation, It shouldn't be funny, really, should it? Like people, you know, Paul Merton talking for a minute about Sudoku. It was like really funny and it shouldn't be. And the skill is learning to keep talking in such a way that there's no room for pauses and there's no room for saying the same thing twice. And you get buzzed if someone on their opposition spots a pause or a repetition in what you're saying. And some of the panellists are unbelievable at it. Now, today we're thinking about how to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit in prayer, And I was mulling on the fact that it is the exact opposite of just a minute. Holy Spirit-led prayer is less about lots of words filling a space with no gaps at all and more about leaving lots of space with plenty of gaps, ums and ahs are allowed, plenty of deviation and repetition if needed. Instead of speaking Continuously for a minute, we're saying, Holy Spirit, come into this minute. How do you want to lead this minute? What do you want to say in this minute? The Holy Spirit has a vital role to play in prayer. We can think that prayer is just about us kind of communicating with God, but our prayer lives could come alive if we understood more about the Spirit's work in prayer, and that's what I want to unpack for us together today. We're thinking about how do we seek God in a non-agendered way? How do we make space for him to move and to lead us in prayer? How does the Holy Spirit help us to pray? Not long ago, I was walking along the canal here in Chichester, and um, I said to myself, I was prayer walking, but I wasn't really praying particularly. Um, I was more ambling along and enjoying my walk down the canal. And as I was walking, a person popped into my mind, completely out of the blue, somebody I have not seen for ages, and as far as I knew, wasn't on my mind at all, and I just had a real burden as I was walking to pray for this person. I didn't know what was going on in their lives particularly, or why they were on my mind, so I just decided to pray that God would be close to them, and protect them, and to help them, and it was a real burden. I I started to pray out loud, trying to avoid dog walkers who think you're really odd, and I remember somebody like jogging past me, and yeah, being a bit Embarrassed, but anyway, uh, just praying for this particular person that God had burdened me for. And after a little while of praying, I just felt like a massive amount of peace. It was almost like um, a kind of, it was like job done, was the feeling. Oh, oh, I I don't need to pray about that anymore. And it was a bit like God was looking for someone available to pray, and the Holy Spirit prompted me. And I thought that was the Holy Spirit at work there, leading and guiding my prayers. Now, I haven't had that sort of compulsion very often, but many of us have had experiences where we've wondered, how do you pray in this situation? Or we like the idea of seeking God without any particular agenda, but actually when it comes to it, we just end up with our lists of needs or we get distracted. And I want to look at some verses which help us to see what the Holy Spirit does as we pray together. And it's in Romans chapter 8. I shared really briefly about these verses on the 1st of January in the evening when we had a prayer time, uh, just briefly, but I found them very helpful about this subject, and I want to just unpack them a bit more with us. Turn to it if you'd like to. It's here on the screen as well. Romans 8, 26 and 27, and this is what it says. This is what Paul says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So Paul is writing to the Roman Christians in chapter 8. He reminds the believers that they um, have life through the Spirit and that this same Spirit helps them in their sufferings and in their weaknesses. And then he moves on from a general description of the Spirit's work and focuses on a specific way in which he helps us, and that is in prayer. And that word help... In verse 26, the spirit helps us in our weakness. In the original Greek, it's got the sense of coming for assistance, coming alongside. Essentially, it's a sharing in or a helping with, the, with a burden. That's what that word help means. Come and help, come and share in this burden. Now, the only other place that this particular word is used is in Luke chapter 10, the story of Martha and Mary, where Martha asks Jesus to get Mary to come and help her. You might know that story. Martha's really cheesed off that all Mary's doing is sitting at Jesus' feet, and she wants wants her to come and lend a hand. Luke 10, verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, that's Jesus, and asked... Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Share the burden with me. I can't do all the work on my own. I need help. The only other time that word is used, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, Romans 10, and tell her to help me, Martha to Jesus in Luke 10. Share the burden with me. Come for assistance. Come alongside. Help to carry the load. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. He intervenes to help when we are burdened, when we don't know what to pray for, or when we want his leading. He comes alongside to give us assistance in prayer. We can't pray on our own, and he is our help. And in those Romans verses, Paul lists some of the ways that he helps us. As we've said, he shares the burden, incredibly liberating He shares the burden of prayer. When I'm walking along feeling burdened for a person, when we're praying about Turkey and Syria and don't know what to pray, when we're concerned for someone in our family, the Holy Spirit shares the burden. Come and help us, Lord. He helps us in our weakness. He intercedes for us, speaking to God on our behalf. He doesn't just come and help us to pray. He prays for us. A go-between, petitioning for us. We don't know what to pray. And so he prays for us. Those verses talk about wordless groans, probably best translated as the prayers which the Spirit helps us to make, which are beyond our own articulation. Holy Spirit prayers on our behalf, beyond what we can put into words. And he steers our prayers to God's will. God knows our heart. The Holy Spirit is good at weeding. And he sifts out our praying and steers us to pray in line with God's will. You know, when we set aside our kind of lists and so on and allow him space, what he does is he shifts our hearts and our desires to be in line with God's will. So the Holy Spirit shares the burden of prayer. He helps us. He comes alongside. He prays through us and he steers our hearts and our minds. Now, in practice, that will look Difference at different times, but I want to mention. Th- three ways, three practical ways that this might play out in our praying. It's no good hearing what the Bible says about prayer without thinking, what does this actually look like in my prayer life? And I want to share three ways this might help that I personally have found helpful in my own praying and about what it might look like to pray on our own, but also when we lean into the Holy Spirit in prayer together as well. And the first is to do with seeing where our prayers lead. Setting aside some conscious times of non-agenda prayer. Now, I don't want to knock you know, lists and, and journals and frameworks for prayer. I use all of those as well, and they're really invaluable and helpful. But this is a different kind of praying. And I've tried to make some conscious choices to make space to do this, some, some non-agenda prayer. And it could look like a whole number of things, and then see where prayer leads you. It might start with worship and then seeing where that leads, not necessarily talking, but, but mulling and in and out of, of praise and prayer and quiet. Personally, I find prayer walking quite helpful. Um, I get distracted really easily. And there's something about the kind of visual stimulus and the moving that helps me. Others of you may find this sort of prayer at home in the quiet more helpful for you. And it's also quite common for me, when I'm praying for somebody in a kind of gathered meeting situation, to find that my prayers have taken me in a particular direction. I prayed for somebody last Sunday, for example, about something quite specific, and I found myself praying about that specific thing, and then I just felt like I wanted to pray about something else that I had a hunch was related. And in fact, I think I said to the person, we're praying about this, but I just sense the Lord wants us to pray about this, and that's connected somehow. And that really seemed to resonate with the person that I was praying with. Being open to where your prayers might lead. Not just talking all the time. Have you had that experience where someone prays for you? And and, and rather than bring you to Jesus, they they just sort of talk a lot and narrate a whole bunch of praying. Good stuff. But actually, this is about making a space for the Holy Spirit to come and be present in that moment when we're praying. Come, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. How shall we pray? oh, I wonder where my prayers are leading me as we pray together. Does that resonate? What's God saying and doing? It's less just a minute, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm not going to deviate, and I'm not going to pause. No repetition allowed. It's, Lord, how can we pray here? How do you want to lead us in prayer? Seeing where prayer leads. That's the first thing. The second thing to do is to do, is to do with nudges and um, promptings. Learning to trust the promptings that we get. Um, But more than that, being willing to share them where appropriate. This links a bit with last week's teaching on prophecy as well. We might get a a scripture that just has a bit more weight to it somehow, uh, that needs to be shared in a a meeting or or for a person or uh, possibly for ourselves that we can use in prayer. God puts a, a word or a person or a picture in our minds for us to turn to prayer. Last Sunday, if you were here, you'll remember that Liz New was with us. Um, Liz New is working with InterServe, serving the Muslim community up north and an incredible incarnational ministry of 31 years living and loving and serving alongside mostly Muslim women. And in the evening service, she asked us to pray particularly for a, a family um, who'd been put under a curse. And she mentioned this from the front here and asked us to pray. Now, not knowing any of that, um, earlier in the week, Steph Lunn, who's happy for me to share this story with you, had a dream earlier in the week before last Sunday. And she said it was a really dark and unsettling dream. She said, in her words, she said there was, there was no Jesus in it. It was really dark, a dark dream. And in the dream was at somebody who, as the dream progressed, was set free from a curse. Now she didn't know what that meant, felt a bit um, burdened by it, and just kind of held that. And she, of course, came to church on Sunday evening, she's sitting where you are, and she hears Liz New sharing, please pray for this family being held under the darkness of a curse. And she gets that quickening in her spirit that, oh my goodness, that dream perhaps was about that. And she came to share it with me, and I joined her up with Liz, and we joined up the dots. And she ended up praying with Liz for this family under a curse. And that praying had more weight to it, and more faith about it, because God had prompted her in the week. She was really encouraged that God had prompted her. Liz was really encouraged that God knew about this person with a curse. So do you see what I mean? We could have, she could have shared, and we could have prayed, and God would have listened. But The Holy Spirit gave this nudge and a prompt in a dream such that there was an atmosphere of faith and an expectation that God was going to break in in that family and a huge encouragement to both of those people involved. Nudges and promptings, what they do is they build faith and they help us to know the reality of God in our midst. And we only learn by trying by sharing, by being brave, by saying, God, is this this going to encourage and strengthen and comfort? And if so, I'm going to respond to that prompting and share with the person or with the church. Seeing where our prayers lead, responding to nudges and promptings. And then the third is about um, the prayer language of praying in tongues. If we are talking about the Holy Spirit and prayer, then thinking about praying in tongues is clearly a significant part of this. And it's a gift that can be so helpful in our prayer lives. And I just want to spend a few minutes explaining a bit more about this gift for those for whom it might be new or as a reminder to us. Speaking in tongues is a prayer language that humanly we don't understand. And it is a way of communicating with God, spirit to spirit, a prayer language that the Holy Spirit gives us to communicate with our Heavenly Father. And Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 14, fleshing out a bit more the passage that Andy spoke on last week, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says this, verses 1 to 5. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy... For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets So that the church might be edified. So let's just clarify some of that. You can see from these verses that, first of all, it's a prayer language. Speaking in tongues is a prayer language. Verse two, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. So it's prayer to God. And Paul says that the purpose of speaking in tongues is to help us as individuals, it's to build us up. Verse four, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves the purpose of it is personal, which is actually really interesting. Because if you think about it, all the other gifts of the Spirit, whatever they are, prophecy, administration, evangelism, acts of mercy, there are loads of them, loads of lists of them in the New Testament. All of them are for the benefit of other people, all of the other gifts. This is the only gift where the primary purpose is to strengthen ourselves. And Paul says that he'd like everyone to have that gift. Verse 5, he's positive about it. He encourages believers to ask the Heavenly Father for it. Praying in a Holy Spirit-given language that's not my words can be a huge help in non-agenda praying and in letting the Holy Spirit lead us in prayer. Sometimes I run out of words. Either it might be like in a worship situation, I like overwhelmed God, you're just so... Big and oh, so good. It's, a, it's in worship, or maybe in distress. You know, when you're praying for a hard situation, we've mentioned about the earthquake. Lord, how do we even know how to pray? Speaking in tongues can be so helpful then, because we trust that it's the Holy Spirit praying through us. But also, it isn't just for kind of you know special occasions, particular need, or incredible times of worship. Just day to day, if the purpose of this gift is for personal edification, if it's to, to strengthen us. It's just good to be strengthened whenever we want. Praying in the car, washing up, on my prayer walks. It kind of keeps my spirit in tune with God's spirit without having to engage my mind. And if you're anything like me, sometimes your mind can really get in the way. You get kind of tied up in your head and with the words and you start to overthink what a gift it is to be able to pray in the spirit, my spirit to God's spirit. It strengthens us. It does us good. There's nothing odd about it or, or kind of freaky. It's not something that comes on you without any control. It's amazing how many of people I've prayed for that thought, "No, you're kind of out of control if the Holy Spirit comes on you in this way. Absolutely not. You are totally in control at any time. It is a language that you use. It just happens to be one that you don't naturally understand. It won't help you in your French oral exam, although that would be Kind of cool, wouldn't it? But it's not that. It's a language that we don't understand at all. I was uh, prayed for to speak in tongues quite a long time ago when I first um, desired the gift and nothing happened to me. And what helped me at the time was someone explaining that the thing with this gift is that you have to actually open your mouth and speak. It's not something where you kind of wait passively for it just to happen to you. It's a language. It's words. And words happen when we speak out, and, it's, and, and that's how, as it is with this gift, as we pray and speak out and begin to worship God. And it was when I relaxed about it that I received the gift, and in fact, lots of people receive the gift at home in the bath when they're, when they're walking and so on. And for me, it was just a few words at first that I kind of practiced and repeated, and, it was, and it's a language that grew and developed. So I just want to say, um, we haven't actually taught about this very much, but if If God has given a gift, which is the only gift that is for our personal benefit, it's a good thing to have. Now, if you're not fussed about it, no problem. But if you would like this gift, ask God for it. Not having it does not mean that you are a lesser Christian or that God doesn't love you as much. Of course not. And of course, these are grace gifts that he gives as he chooses. But in my experience, and especially because it is a gift that is for us, God, as a good father, gives it to those who ask. And I sense that sometimes we need help receiving the gift more than God not wanting to give it. I think he wants to give it. Sometimes the struggle is with us receiving it rather than the other way around. And we're going to be praying together about a whole number of things during the worship at the end. And um, if, if it's for you, you can ask. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. With this gift, give me this gift if you'd like it. And if you want more clarification about that or for us to pray for you, I'd love to help you into that if it's something you'd like. Now, if we're talking about um, here we are to worship and gathered um, worship times, it's probably important to say something briefly too about um, another gift, along with praying in tongues privately, which is about using this gift in public, which Paul also writes in chapter 14, reminder of verse 5. Uh, The one who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So Paul makes this distinction with this personal private prayer language and um, sharing a tongue in public, which is for the benefit of other people and is for sharing and understanding And because it's public, Paul says that an interpretation is needed so that people can understand it. Paul talks about orderly worship a bit later on in 1 Corinthians 14, this is verse 26, about the need for interpretation. What then should we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So if a tongue is shared, we wait for the interpretation. Now it's worth saying that um, when, when Paul was writing, there was a whole bunch of disorder in the church in Corinth. You know, They were kind of over-the-top charismatics, and so what Paul's writing to, to is he's kind of reining them in, he's like, calm down, everybody, this is good and everything, but just calm down, we need a bit more order. I would dare to suggest if he was writing to 20th century Chichester, he would not be saying calm down, he'd be saying, come on, everybody. So we need to read the kind of order in the, with the right understanding, that Paul exhorts people to experience and express spiritual gifts, and if he was writing to us, he'd be saying, use these gifts, in an orderly way, yes, but don't hold back. So as well as seeking the personal gift of this prayer language for our, our own private use, let's be open to using it in our gathered meetings as well. Three things that might be helpful and shed a bit more about one for your understanding about what the Bible says about that. Let's come to land and spend some time in prayer. We want to grow in allowing the Holy Spirit to help us pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here whether that is in this prayer language I've talked about, whether it's about responding and being open to promptings and and nudgings, or whether it's about seeing where your prayers take you as you pray, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in prayer. Remember when we started, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Martha to Jesus, get her to help me, help. Come and bring assistance, come alongside, come and share the burden. The Holy Spirit comes alongside for assistance in prayer. And he prays through us and he leads us. And I just think that's really exciting. The New Testament is full of examples of gathered believers experiencing the presence and power of God together. And Paul encourages the believers to seek more of the Holy Spirit and to expect him to be at work in their meetings. I've been so blessed over the last week or two hearing stories about people who were prayed for to be filled with the Spirit and God has really touched them. People have been emailing me in senses and prophecies of what God has been saying. I've noticed people praying a lot more for each other at the end of our gatherings and an openness to what God is doing among us. Let's lean in to what the Holy Spirit wants to do as we pray. And then we can be blessed through his grace in this place of encounter. Is there an amen to that? Amen. Amen.